Yo, 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 guys, what is up? And welcome back to the Warriors Invitational Podcast. It's your boy Gotham, my boys Matt and Chuck. And today, like we said, man, we we've done the we've done the rebrand. Um, had our boy Eli on for the Heat last week on the first ever um Warriors Invitational episode. And today we got our man, the myth, the legend, really. The guys, the guys all over NBA Twitter, just kind of running sports media right now. Our boy <laughs> S Barahani. How are we doing, S? Welcome to the show, man. I appreciate you having have, uh, doing this. I appreciate you having me on too, but I hate the praise. The uh, it's I don't even know how to accept. The, I don't even know how to accept the compliment. Uh, did you say Eli as in Eli the Economist? Yeah, Eli Hell the Economist. Yeah. Yep. Hell <laughs> yeah! Now that's a real NBA Twitter legend right there. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> we, we we had to come out hot with the rebound, man. We had we got oh, yeah. Eli one, and then we were like, yo, we got Siakam talks coming. OG gone. Like, man, we gotta he get, schooled all of us, man. We got to get our Toronto man. So how yeah. You doing, I'm good, man. I appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, shout out y'all for for talking Warriors basketball as always. Uh, fascinating team forever and always. Uh, so I'm really interested to see how you guys uh, kind of go about the you know the, the business for the next half season or whatever. I'm really curious to see what this team does. And by the way, Gotham, incredible name, fire name. Gonna my name man. My Thank you. Gotham. Thank you. Shout out mom and dad for that one. Hell Let's, yeah. Uh, but. Uh, <laughs> Hey, yes, I know you. You know we uh, we kind of started with the praise a little bit before we get into the Raptors, Warriors, whatever it is. Just kind of want to give uh, give our listeners just a little insight into to your uh, life, career, just a little um, intro. Um, obviously, you do a lot of uh, media reporting for for the Raptors, but um, yeah. I've kind of been in this business for a while, so just kind of want to get a little insight to kind of how you got started, and then just to really understand the, your journey and how you got to you know where you are today. Just before we jump into everything. Oh, man, Uh, I had no idea I wanted to do this uh, for a very, very long time. Just kind of did it for fun. And, um, you know, I bounced around different types of schools. I did business school. I even tried to do law school for a couple of years. And yeah, I just nothing really clicked for me as much as this stuff did. And then eventually I decided to go first, go to school for it, went to a place called the College of Sports Media in Toronto, um, and then just started sort of working my way up from there, did, you know, I was a broadcast intern for TSN, which is like our uh, our like ESPN, if you will, mm-hmm. whatever. Uh, it's like that for for Toronto, uh, and then I just started working at different other places, like the Score um, and uh, what's that other place I worked? Six Eighty News. It's a radio station. Um, so yeah, just different types of places like that. And now I uh, now I work at SDPN Sports, lead MV reporter for there. So. Yeah, that's what we do, man. That's the the life has become basketball. It's very cool. Um, I've I've had the chance to think about this recently, just because uh, I've had some people, you know, friends of mine, especially in this industry, who have like lost their job. Um, and it's very humbling. It's very just tough to know that like it's really hard to keep a job in this industry and to continue doing this stuff. So. Uh, you always kind of got to be grateful for that and know that honestly, in any moment you could lose that shit. Yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah, that's, I guess I, not to end it on a somber note, but that's the, the no, guys, that. everybody a, just count you, count you, count your paychecks. You might get fired tomorrow. So like, <laughs> it's, 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 it's awesome, man. That's awesome. I feel like all, all of us here, like we always had dreams to, to 
the work and we've all done like some form of writing or podcast obviously podcasting and yeah and, uh, you know tapping again our toes in the business but to see somebody that, that's actually done it and really has and now kind of made it to that you know mainstream media level is really cool to really cool to see so appreciate oh, god i can't do and i'll crazy. stop press no more <laughs> press. just follow me back on twitter man about hey, we're gonna, we're gonna hey you, listen <laughs> listen just let me know just tell me what the twitter is at and i got you, I got you bro. Man. No no, we got the shout outs at the end bro i got you <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah no no i look I, I twitter is a wild place a very very wild world and what i would recommend to people is not spend a lot of time on twitter <laughs> uh but yeah 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 no, yeah, no you gotta uh shout out i won't you won't hear me giving them a shout out very often but uh shout out to apple for letting you self-impose time limits on an app <laughs> right i i get that reminder that sets in on twitter and it's like hey you got five minutes left and i'm like oh man like, what <laughs> what what crap am i gonna sift through for the next five minutes five before minutes. i walk off for the day <laughs> yeah, yeah. oh my god it really does feel like is, that sometimes yeah it is such a weird dynamic too where i explain that to people who are outside of our general space where they're like oh you know social media like what do you use and i'm like oh, i'm not really on instagram i don't use facebook uh, I feel like I kind of missed the boat on TikTok to get too into it seriously, but Twitter. Yeah. And they're just like, are you like an alt-right like conspiracy <laughs> guy? Like, what's your deal? And I'm like, nah, man, I just really like basketball and that's where it's yeah. at. So yeah, yeah. it's so <laughs> kind of weird, the deal, it's the deal we've all made. <laughs> no, you're right. You're right. I had like so I just just randomly I had a friend that like is not even remotely interested in sports or whatever. Uh, and I had met them like a couple of years ago and then they followed me on Twitter and I was just like, oh shit, like this person's going to be introduced to like a completely different side of me. They'll be like, where the fuck did this come from? And, and then you get the, and, and I met them like, uh, I don't know, two months later or like two, a couple of months ago. And they're like, wow, you, uh, you really like basketball. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I, I, I definitely do. Yes, that is definitely true. Um, yeah, it's kind of weird. It feels like you have like a different side of you, uh, that, you know, you Oh, yeah. dude, I'm a I'm a middle school teacher, man. My students, they found me, man. And it's it's uh, oh, it's humbling. It'll tear your life apart, dude. You're on private <laughs> for seven hours a day. You have it's, it's horrible, man. Oh, my God. That is crazy. I, I know a middle school teacher that like incorporates it into his classes, though, uh, which I don't I don't know how he does it. But yeah, that he does it with word. with uh, Grace. I'm sure, man, because I couldn't even think about doing it. So yeah, yeah, I hear you. I hear you. That's awesome, though. Yeah, sorry. Oh, yeah. I have uh, oh, my, right. both, both my parents were teachers, by the way. So shout oh, out to cool, them. Ooh, shout out to them, man. That's yeah, awesome, dude. Yeah. We love that. We, we love that. So, Raptors, you weren't intending to be in this life, but you're in the life now. Yeah. You're fully in the weeds. Um, so, obviously, things have changed in a major way in the last week. But going into this season versus where we are now, what were your expectations for the team going in? Uh, was it kind of waiting for this stuff to happen? Or, you know, especially with a lot of things going on in the front office, the ownership, like, where were you at with the Raptors before the season? Where are you at now? Yeah, to be honest with you, I, I really didn't give this roster any chance coming into the year to there were there was a lot of high expectations from some fans um, of maybe making a playoff spot. And, you know, maybe competing for like 45 wins or something like that. And I just, especially after you lose Fred Van Vliet, 
you're bringing in a rookie head coach. Uh, there's still that dynamic of you're missing tons of shooting and ball handling. And even last year's team was missing a ton of shooting and ball handling. And you still had Fred Van Vliet. Like taking that element out um, to me just felt like a recipe for disaster. And coming into this season, I didn't have any expectations. And that kind of settled it for me. And I, as, as I sort of watched this team, it just seemed really inevitable that they were headed towards some sort of change, some sort of reset, some sort of whatever you want to put, whatever terminology you want to, you want to put on it, but a change, right? Um, and I think it was just inevitable for me. From my perspective, it felt like it was inevitable. You ask someone else, they might have a different point of view. But for me, I just knew that this was sort of the beginning of the end. Actually, I would probably say last year was the beginning of the end. Um, and then, you know, this year was just like, how are we still doing this? You know? Yeah, that makes tons of sense, man. A lot of the changes, I think everybody's been at least anticipating like an OG and or Siakam move. Uh, yeah. OG got moved last week, right? Yeah, sent to the Knicks. Last year, the the ask supposedly was like your children. It was your wife. It was five first rounders. You guys uh, almost had him. You guys yeah, almost well, had you know, him. <laughs> your, your cousins, you name it, man. But what, first of all, what was your reaction to the trade? Um, gosh, man, Bob. Wait, Bob left a horrible Hard to make trades, man. He left, <laughs> he left farts and he left everything bad behind, man. Um, no, but what was your reaction to the trade? Like, was it a good haul? Was it a was it a weak haul? So again, last year, the asking price was astronomical. I don't know how yeah. close the Raptors actually got to getting what they wanted there. But a year later, what's the what's the reaction like? So at the at last year's deadline, the report is already out. This isn't anything new, but there were offers of three first round picks plus salary, right? Um, and those picks, like depending on what your value of those are, you know, Indiana offered three first round picks. New York offered three round, first round picks, but... I think even Memphis included three first round picks. But when you look at the picks that they were, it was like, okay, you get a Cleveland pick, which was 26th overall, or a Boston pick, which was 30th overall. And I think Memphis had a, one of, uh, I want to say Golden State, maybe? No, no, they, they yeah. had the 24. Memphis right? had the 24 pick last year. Right, right, right. Um, yeah. But anyways, like all these picks were going to be high picks. It wasn't really like you're getting a, a good first round pick out of it. So to from that perspective, this deal, in my opinion, is better because you're getting one guy who I think has a very, very high upside in Emmanuel quickly, and then one guy in RJ Barrett who you're taking a swing on, hoping that you can tap into whatever potential that Knicks fans and, and Knicks Twitter wanted him to tap into for the last four years. Um, he's definitely a polarizing player, uh, no question. And even in his debut game, you saw him go through the cycle of RJ Barrett, truthfully. Like he had a great first half, second half, it was a lot of mistakes, a lot of turnovers, a lot of bad shots. And you saw sort of the deal with RJ. Um, and I think ultimately like you're just taking a swing on that guy developing into something more than he already is, which is, you know, a starter on an NBA team. But for the most part, uh, I think it's a pretty good deal for both sides. And I think the Raptors had to shake things up in a major way. They desperately needed a long-term guard to pair alongside Scotty Barnes, who, by the way, just like outside of this whole thing, has been awesome. Like absolutely insane. He's the one shining light of this organization right now. Silver lining a million times over. Uh, and him ending up an all-star is really helping save the... I guess, hopefulness for the long-term future of this franchise in general. Um, and when you have a guy like Emmanuel quickly now to pair alongside him, 
the future kind of makes a little bit more sense. So from a future perspective, building around Scotty Barnes perspective, the deal makes a lot of sense for me. Were there better deals out there? I actually think in the summer, probably there were better deals out there, uh, especially around draft time and especially around draft time, even last year where it was, hey, Shaden Sharp, the pick that ended up being Shaden Sharp, that was on the table for OG and Anobi. And you might look at that and say, okay, well, that probably makes sense in hindsight, but hindsight is twenty twenty all the time, right? So I don't know. Uh, I think for the most part in the position that they were in, it was a good deal. I think it has a chance to be a win-win for both teams, depending on how OG and how quickly pan out, but good deal, man. At least it was a change for my, honestly, but yeah. Right. You got like, go ahead, Chuck. Yeah. So that was, that was kind of my thought too. And, you know, I feel like we, it's just kind of the sports culture we're in now. Someone has to win the trade. Someone has to lose it. Um, That's just not the case. Sometimes both teams lose it. Sometimes both teams win. And in this case, you know, like you said, a major part of it is making the change, Uh, like getting, getting something going, like giving fans hope that there is a direction that they're choosing. Um, and on the quickly front too, like that I think was a huge opportunity cost to get him. Cause like you said, the first round picks you're setting, even if you get three or four of them, like chances are pretty poor that even one of those picks is going to turn into a guy as good as IQ. Yeah. A guy who fits as well with Scotty Barnes as IQ does because Brings a lot of defense and a lot of energy to the point guard position. He doesn't need to have the ball in his hands to make impact. And, you know, the goal is hopefully like, hey, let's see what we do if Scotty gets the keys. Like, can he be the guy to take an offense forward? Um, And then also, you know, he's going into restricted free agency. You know, whether, whether Siakam's gone at the deadline or not, that's money coming off the books regardless. You've got Gary Trent going off, Thad Young going off. Like paying a guy at this age is not the concern. You know, like I feel like people get super obsessed over like, oh, you got to have these young guys and they got to be all cost controlled. But that matters when you're trying to instantly contend. Yeah. So you bring in IQ, you pay him what he's worth. You see how he fits with Scotty. That's a major win. And then on top of that, you're getting the reclamation chance at RJ, uh, bringing, bringing more Canadians in the house, which is cool. Uh, I know, I know maybe we got another Canadian. Yeah, maybe sign of things to come, who knows? <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe, I don't know. Maybe there's another uh, overpaid, underperforming Canadian wing we can sell you on. We're going to look um, like Team Canada by by this time next year. Just bring Kelly Olenek along. Wiggins, Wiggins doesn't participate. Yeah, Wiggins, Wiggins, You're right. Yeah, he, he did it one year. Let, let's trade for Dwight Powell. Let's see what Lou Dort is up to. <laughs> Hey, it'll look pretty good in the summer, man. So, like, it, it, yeah. like, Canada's basketball is back. So, it might not be the worst idea. They look all in that, like, 25 to 29 range. Like, yeah. Kind of... But 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 let's remove Shea Gilgis-Alexander out oh. of that team and see how well yeah. they do. Um, <laughs> no, I, hear, I hear you, though. I hear you. They Look, Team Canada, great future, all that stuff. Um, yeah, man. I Like, to the, to the point of change and trying to do something new and what that means for the future of this team, it's really fascinating the approach that they can take with Siakam because they can extend Siakam today if they want to for a four-year max extension. They can do less than that if they want to as well, but that four-year max is on the table. I assume, given the reports, given the indications, what we've heard so far, that Siakam is also just going to would accept that offer from the Raptors. Do the Raptors want to commit to that? 
given the fact that RJ is on the books now, given the fact that they're going to have to extend quickly, obviously a Scotty Barnes max rookie max extension is in the works in the summer as well. The money is just going to get extremely tight if you're going to commit to a four-year max for Pascal. And so given that, given the fact that he's going to be 30 years old by the end of the season, he's still an, uh, an incredible player. And I mean, I'm sure we'll get into that in a bit, but um, how that works money-wise for the team, that's where the problem comes along, uh, just financially. Like this team is, the Raptors have never gone into the tax. The one time they've gone into the luxury tax is is in the 2019 championship year. And that like, you know, they're they're not going to do it for anything less than that. So, yeah, hey, yeah, one for one. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, and, like, look, you're not going to do it for a team that's on pace to win 37 games. So, it, you know, the, the clear direction for this team, they are heading in something very different than paying a guy a max extension, I think, or paying a 30-year-old guy a max extension. Hey, you know who is? You know who is paying that much for a 37-win team? <laughs> <laughs> paying twice, so, paying so, twice that that light years, man. Light years ahead. <laughs> um, kind of, kind of, just kind of going off that point, like you kind of segueing perfectly into into the Siakam talks. But um, obviously, just given the 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 haul you guys got for OG, like seemingly turning a page on that, you know, OG Scott or Pascal Scotty Scotty Barnes um, chapter, if you want to call it that. Um, what what did that move tell you in regards to? where what might happen with Siakam like is it going to be is the move that you guys that's going to be on the table because there's going to be a lot of guys people interested I know the Thunder are in that mix we're in that mix um the Kings like a lot of young teams or teams that can look at a guy like Siakam and see that you know he could be the one to to get us in that contention mix put us over the top if you're if you're one of those younger teams um I know JK was somebody, Kumingo, somebody you guys were interested in. Um, obviously, we brought up Wiggins. So there are there are potential pieces that, you know, may be able to fit that, you know, the new Raptors timeline of, of going around Scotty and building a team around that. Where, yeah. What do you think that package entails? Is it more on the young guys mix and letting everybody kind of like making a new core together, whether that's like a Kuminga Moody type or or is it kind of getting those, you know, more vets and, and, and Wiggins and, and guys like that that have had that championship experience and, and to, to add them into the fold. So where where do you see kind of that that trade package if, if and when it comes? Like what, what does that look like in your eyes? So there's, there's a, a few different routes I can go with this answer. The one thing I will say first and foremost is that they have tried to trade Siakam on multiple occasions. Uh, last year at the deadline, this summer, throughout this year, they have tried to trade Siakam. They have not been successful in doing so for a number of reasons. One, Siakam hasn't been very committal on an extension for certain places. It almost went down with Atlanta. Then it didn't happen. You can kind of connect the dots to that. It almost happened with Indiana. It didn't happen. You can connect the dots with that as well. And for the most part, I think that's the biggest hurdle. So when you look at his value and what he potentially might be worth on the open market, that changes things, right? And how that's gonna uh, how the warriors are gonna assess things and say well we're getting a guy who's a guy for a rental right we're getting him for six months and is that worth giving up jonathan kaminga is that worth giving up i don't know moses moody or whichever one of the other young guys that you guys would be willing to include in this package is it worth it um and i just i guess that's more of a question for you guys but i think the rest of the teams that are interested in pascal as well are asking the same questions. Sacramento, is Keegan Murray worth it? I would say defiantly no. You know what I mean? Is, um, you know, for the Hawks, 
are you willing to include Jalen Johnson or Onyeka Kongwu? And I think from their perspective, probably a no. And you that you kind of by process of elimination, you get to a point where now you're not getting those blue chip prospects for Pascal. So what else is out there? Um, and from that perspective, it's like the Raptors. I guess this is a part B to the answer, and I'm sorry I'm going long winded here, but no, girl. the part B to this answer is that the Raptors aren't trying to tank. Like they have no desire whatsoever to sell this off and like just start fresh with Scotty Barnes. They want to build from the middle, and that's more of an indication from ownership. Like the fact of the matter is that they are owned by Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment. That place, that company wants to compete. They don't want to have a team that is not selling out every night, not having that attention, not having a star player or whatever. So they're going to go and try to be as competitive competitive as a team as possible. So what players help do that? That's why, you know, if you look back at the OG trade, three picks plus Evan Fournier probably has them heading towards a rebuild. But maybe RJ Barrett and Emmanuel Quickly, two guys who can contribute right away, it helps you compete a little bit more. Uh, and so with Pascal, it's like, what fits in that category? What fits in that criteria that I just described where it's players that can help, maybe one of them is a young guy and then potentially picks to go with it. But yeah, that's that's sort of in my head what the Raptors are looking for. And then, you know, from, from the Warriors perspective, I'd love to hear what you guys think of like, what would even be on the table? Would Kaminga be on the table? Like, would he yeah. be on the table? I like, yeah. The, for us right now, like it's 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 such it's been such a weird season in sense in the sense of it's probably the, one of the deeper teams that we've had in in a while with just the bench unit, the, how well they played with with how Chris Paul and Dario Saric's free agent signings, um, Kaminga and Moody really showcasing that they, you know they have the potential to to be you know real guys, but there also is you know obviously the championship core with uh, with Steph Clay Draymond um, when he's on the court, um, Steve Kerr kind of stuck in in if, kind of that middle ground of you don't you're, you're riding with the vets, but obviously Clay and Wiggins kept, well, off to a slow start this season. Um, yeah. It feels like we've lost a lot of games that we should have uh, should have won. Um, so you're kind of in that middle ground where it, it might be the solution might be less is more, and where it's kind of trending towards and and Char, uh, Matt and Chuck, you guys can back me up on this. It feels like it's going to be, it's, it's gotta be some, one of Kaminga or Wiggins that is, you know, part of that uh, package that leaves um, and nothing again, like both guys bring different things to the table, obviously Wiggins defensively and, and what he did in 2022. And, you know, he's starting to get back to the, not necessarily that level, but more consistency on an, on an energy standpoint. And, um, but Kaminga too, like just a freak athlete, a guy who, you know, if given the reins has shown that he can, he can, uh, you know, really help out this team next, especially next to a guy like Steph, who who, who thrives with that athletic kind of wing, that guy that can can defend. So, it's it's trending towards you know one of those two. And in, in my eyes, and we've spoken about this on on earlier episodes, but um, from from our perspective, it, it it does seem like a guy like Siakam, some some front court um scoring, but also just that defensive versatility he can bring playing next to a guy like Draymond. Um, still kind of keeping that bench unit intact, um, whether that's uh, a guy like Pods who's kind of stepped on in, into that backup point guard role, um, Trace Jackson Davis as a backup big or now starting big. So um, there, there, it feels like there's a group of, you know, nine, 10 guys that we have right now, like that are like are legit um, rotation guys. And it just feels like there's one kind of consolidating move out there 
that involving one of JK or Wiggins that, that can kind of consolidate, but also give you more in terms of, you know, leapfrogging into that contender status that we thought that this team was going in. Um, obviously yeah. last year with the punch and everything felt like, you know, I kind of threw everything off the rails, but um, coming so in. If, this- it, I guess the question I would have for you is if, if um, let's say, the Ra- well, by the way, the Raptors love Kaminga. Like, it's very clear. Like, they, even yeah. at the draft, the deal was almost done with this whole Siakam for 7 and 14. Remember the... Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. That, oh, was, a couple years like ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That was, like, a huge conversation. That probably... I don't know how close they were to that, but the the, the Raptors clearly love Jonathan Kaminga. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think have been fans of Jonathan Kaminga for a while. So, like, let's say they say, hey, we want JK. Yeah. What is the salary at that point going backward? Is, is it like Chris Paul? Is it so I, Chris Paul? Chris Paul right. and JK works out simultaneously perfectly to a T. It's 36 million. I think Siakam's at 37. Uh, right. so you correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but that kind of goes oh, to what you're saying yeah. earlier, right? Well, do the Raptors want a better point guard like Chris Paul on the team? Do they would they prefer to have a wing who as far as fit goes, my thoughts are Wiggins probably slides in more nicely between RJ and Scotty than Kaminga does right now, just because of the shooting aspect. But yeah. Wiggins is basically shooting with the blindfold on this year, so I'm not quite sure what to do with that. But um, no, the money it would be it'd have to be either Chris Paul, Kaminga, um, and a pick, a couple picks. I, I want to hear your thoughts there as well, kind of what the expectation yeah. would be as far as picks goes, or you know, Wiggins, Kaminga. Um, at that point, if the Raptors love Moody or Kaminga as much as you're saying, I don't know how willing the Warriors are to add a second wing in that deal. And simultaneously, I'm curious as your thoughts on what if you have any inkling as to what would uh, push Siakam to be willing to resign in a place. Like, is he going to give a team assurances ahead of time? Like, let's say the Warriors trade for Siakam, um, and the Warriors want assurances, or Team X wants assurances that he resigns. Um, is he in a place you think where he's even doing that right now? Or is it just like you, you trading, you're trading for him and you're taking the risk all the while. I'll say this. Uh, I think the reason golden state is even in the mix is because that's a place Siakam would probably resign. Um, because contending winning, trying to be a part of another championship team, that's like number one, two, and three on Siakam's list of preferred stuff. The The reason, you know, he wasn't really down for Atlanta or Indiana in the summer was because those teams at that point weren't really close to contention whatsoever. Indiana, I guess maybe now changes that equation, although I don't necessarily agree. Maybe he thinks, oh, Tyrese can help take me to the promised land again. Uh, but for the most part, I think that's why Golden State is such an interesting destination because maybe that team that is willing to re-sign him and he is willing to commit to is a team like the Warriors. Um, and and so from that perspective, I think maybe that changes the equation on what you guys are willing to offer. And maybe that changes the equation on how non-committal or committal Pascal is to to like re-signing. Yeah. So I feel like if, if the Raptors, if Siakam says I'll re-sign, like Kaminga's gone. Like I think the Warriors don't even hesitate at that point because I think what we're seeing this yeah. year is people say this all the time, right? They're they're not entirely similar players, but the archetype of you know elite two way wing is what the Warriors hope Kaminga is, and he's definitely shown on ball flashes of just you know Shea, um, Brunson, whoever it might be, right? He does a really good job on these smaller yeah. guards, and especially on there's some random wings he does a good job on as well. But he's not he's not two years away from All Star status. I don't think. I don't think he's he's maybe two, three, four years away. Um, mm-hmm. What they want out of that type of player is Siakam right now and so that's why I'm just like hey if it's if it's Siakam resigning I'm of the impression that Kuminga's out 
he's right. gone. I'm I'm sort of curious where you guys would stand on if the Raptors added other players. Like if like what would and this this kind of makes things a little muddy, uh, because it's like would you guys be interested in like Chris Boucher or Dennis Schroeder or Jakob Pertle and then it's just like, okay, there's a lot of contracts going, and then that's a lot of salary. But I think there's a world in which maybe the Raptors attach another player to Pascal, and it goes that way as well. But I don't know. Just thoughts. There, so, I yeah, I definitely – I def- that was something too. And I think one big sticking point is, you know, with the extension conversation, that's what – you know, obviously it's important for every team. You don't want to run the risk of a guy walking. Yeah. But – most teams can look at it and say, hey, if a max salary slot walks, we at least have a lot of money left over. That's not the case with the Warriors. Right. Like if he's if he's gone, that money disappears because the way that they are so deep into the tax, like they can't it's impossible to get out. Yeah. With, yeah. Well, yeah. no, it is literally impossible. Like yeah. you either re-sign the guys under the current rules that you have or the money disappears, the player disappears, and suddenly you're even more hamstrung trying to compete yeah. in Steph Curry's last years. Um, but that's what plus, I think is interesting. For plus the new CBA, right? Like, yeah, the like, second apron yep. is, is insane. Yeah. Uh, no, that, that's all I was going to say. Sorry, go ahead, Trey. Yeah, no, no, no. It is, it is even more punishing. So, like, the Warriors, they're in this already. You know, they've already 10 toes down. They're paying this money, so... Um, I don't think they would hesitate on a bigger upgrade. Uh, you know, I don't think it's been, there was a, there was a trade that like, us three, we, we kind of just sent in just in our, in our group chat. It was, it was Chris yeah, Paul, exactly. Wiggins, Kuminga, uh, and two first round picks for Siakam, Schroeder and Otto Porter. And that was one that we saw that send it in. Let's lock it. Like, in. Hey, man, <laughs> Mike, money, Mike and Messiah. Let's let, let this sub in us four right here. Yeah. But like it's that kind of move where, you know, you get that, you know, and especially coming with, uh, hopefully that would come with a guarantee that Siakam resigns. And yeah. I was like, you know, the Warriors kind of give him that situation that is, is conducive to a, a resign, but you know, having a guy like uh, even a guy like Dennis Schroeder, who we saw last year in the playoffs with the Lakers, just another you know, secondary ball handler next to Steph um, or running that second unit, um, playing with different guys. And, you know, Otto Porter, a guy who helped us win a championship a couple years ago. So um, it, it, it really is that it, it's, it's this weird fine line of we feel like we have a team ready to contend. Um, obviously, with I feel like with a healthy Steph Curry, with the way he's playing, um, you're going to have a shot. Um, you just got to yeah. at age 35, you got to ha- have you're not able to win the same ways as you did, you know, in, in the KD years, even the pre KD years when they won the championship in 73 games. So it's a lot more just kind of going all in right now. And, and Mike Dunleavy, at least um, to his credit has, has kind of shown that after taking over for, with, for Bob Myers, um, just with the, the draft picks, um, just kind of uh, the re-signing of Draymond getting going older. Um, and I think for yeah, the execution maybe um, has been more so on on the vets um, is why they haven't been here and uh, with Clay struggling Wiggins. But um, if if that was a deal on the table, I think that it, you know getting guys back is not going to be something that, as as a fan base at least, that we're not going to be like, oh, you know, we we gave up, you know, Kuminga two three years before he turned an All Star. But if it you know right. nets to Siakam and and ends up get, you know giving you a chance to compete over the next couple of years, um, I think you know full send on that one. So let's let's say the lineup is Steph, Clay, 
who would be Wiggins? Who would be the st- Moody? I guess in right, that situation. Moody. Uh, Moody, Siakam, Dre, and then you have Looney off the bench. You have Schroeder off of the bench. You have, um, I guess, Pods and Pods, TJD, TJD, right? Like, is that enough to compete against Denver? Is that enough to compete against? whoever else you want to say in the Western conference to get to a finals run. That's a question for you guys. I, from my perspective, it's like, I know Siakam will elevate the hell out of the ceiling of this team. Um, Mm -hmm. And just what he can bring as an off ball player, great cutter can work in their system. The read and react stuff that they do the him as another like creation hub next to Steph will work wonders. You guys talked about like the defensive versatility, the fit is great, but how much does he elevate the ceiling and does he elevate it to the point where it is you are competing against Denver? You were, and yeah, go ahead. This is where we like struggle a lot. I think, so I think in a lot of, you know, Warriors fans mind right now, this team is a, is a step away. Right. But we're also watching this team lose by 20 to Miami without Jimmy Butler by 15 to Dallas without uh, Kyrie. I don't know anymore. It's just tough. I think with Steph and an actual number two, a lot is possible, but um, I might have said that trade in the chat. I forget. Yeah, it was you. Even yeah. hearing you say it, I'm like, I, you can't do that. You can't give up Moody Kaminga and two first for all that. You know what I mean? <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but uh, I think I think two two moves got to be made. I don't think it's a one move away type deal for the Warriors right now. Um, I do think Siakam is close to an ideal number two for this team for all the reasons you described. Just the he, he's a play finisher for this team, right? He's a guy who yeah. works really well in space. And there's the Warriors haven't had a guy like that. I mean, he's not – him and Kevin Grant aren't similar at all, but guys who can just take advantage of uh, the space that Steph and Clay create in a way that – I don't know if you've been watching, but Looney this year, his, he's dragging – He's, he's dragging tough. cement bricks in his, in his shoes, man. It's it's looking rough for our guy, Kevon. But, um, no, I think it's one of the two moves. I don't think that move on its own gets it done. I do think, however, though, if you can if you can squeeze a Schroeder out of a deal where you lose Chris Paul, um, I love that for this team. The guy – you saw him in Germany this summer is kicking absolute ass. He played both sides of the ball. He's made life – uh, incredibly difficult, difficult for Steph in the past. Um, having a guy like that, we know Steve Kerr loves his three guard lineups right now, right? So if you can, I can already picture him throwing out our our uh, greatest ginger of all time pods with uh, with CP or with Schroeder and Steph right now, and um, letting that that backcourt rock. But no, I think if you can snag a second guy in that deal from Toronto, there are a lot of interesting players. Uh, I don't think though, no, I don't think Siakam on his own as as great as I think he'd be. I don't think that one move gets them back into. Uh, beating Boston, beating Denver, beating uh, right. Milwaukee. We're beating, we're beating Boston with this team, man. We we got we got the mental edge on them. But <laughs> I'm I'm on the I'm on the opposite side, honestly. I I genuinely think the floor of this team is pretty good. Like you have you're legit like 10, 12 guys deep, adding in like young guys and whatever it is. So in a move to consolidate, like I think they're like we, especially with Gary Payton back, and he I think is going to be a big X factor for a lot of these lineups. Whatever um you sure. end up playing, but having a guy that can can you can put on you know the a team other team's best player and then adding in a guy like Siakam who can be that front court defensive um, threat and then you had Draymond back in there so and and uh, it's just going to be a lot more space for Steph and Clay um, and so yeah I mean I think that like yeah I agree like the the Warriors have had you know kind of a rough couple weeks now after a five game winning streak and just a weird um, start to the year in the first you know third of the season but um, it, it it at least for me it feels like they're not they are one step away. And I, th- I do think that Siakam could be that, that move granted that, you know, you give up the right uh, amount of pieces, but there are like, there are assets on the table that I think can make this move get done. And, and you're still probably nine, 10 deep um, after all said and done. You're living this is a, 
As you're getting the firsthand experience of the dynamic we constantly go through, where <laughs> Matt's here, Gotham's here, and I'm like, you know, Charlie's got the best content out of us. This, this, fifteen and seventeen, though. man. <laughs> Look, I'm I'm I'm, 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 I'm Commodus, <laughs> just working the crowd. I'm waiting. To, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, right the drop. So, and the thing I think too that's kind of interesting is like if you go out there and you add Pascal. And, you know, either it's Chris Paul or Wiggins, whoever has to go. Um, if the cell, I mean, let, let's say for this purpose, it's Chris Paul. Because Chris Paul does not work in your five-man starting, closing, lineup, whatever it is. Sure. Um, let's say for this, then it's Steph, Clay, Wiggins, Siakam, Draymond trying to close games out. That's lethal, man. Like that that is a team that's a team that can go pretty damn deep in the playoffs. Yeah. Assuming the bench guys can still play their role and win minutes. My question goes to the floor, because you know, like that that's all well and good, but you still have to get to the playoffs and you're still sitting here almost halfway through the season, two games under five hundred. The West is brutal right now. Um so, you know, part of the logic is, you know, oh, yeah, the Warriors have played way more close games than anybody. They've had a lot of rough luck. The schedule's getting a little easier. So, naturally, this will rebound. Mm -hmm. um, but there's very much a world where that doesn't. Uh, so, that's kind of the issue to me and why I'd want yeah, – Gotham's already just like, go fuck yourself. Uh, <laughs> but um, that's, to me, where I would want other guys to steal. Like, I would want a Pirtle. I would want a Schrader. Even a Chris Poucher, um, Santa Cruz Warriors prodigal son returning yes. home would be pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, but one of Bob Myers to me, right there, man. There we go. Good job, Bob. Yeah, <laughs> back to Bob, just leaving us with the bag. Yeah, uh, you, but... you helped. Hey, you helped Chris become an NBA champion, though. So you'll take it, right? Yeah, but oh, yeah. that's true. No, that's true. Um, but yeah, that's to me where I'm like, I would want another guy as part of this because. Yeah. You need to have the night-to-night -night floor in the regular season to get to the position you want to go. Because, you know, if you make this big trade and you sell all the assets and it's Kuminga, it's Picks, it's Wiggins, Chris Paul, whatever it is, and then you find yourself in the play-in and, you know, some team hits like 23s on your head and now you're going home. Yeah. You know, like having – Having one of the best five-man lineups on paper doesn't mean a goddamn thing once you're in Cancun. So that, to me, is kind of the issue of like you know you need to you need to add a little bit more here. No, I, yeah, because there's there's the dangerous world of like needing a consolidation trade, and then you consolidate it, and suddenly you're sitting there going, ah, now we've got no depth. Uh, I'm trying to ask is, is Masai attached to Dennis Schroeder? I don't, know <laughs> I don't know if Masai is attached to Dennis Schroeder, but I think Darko Rayakovic is definitely attached to Dennis okay. Schroeder. Uh, those guys are boys. Like, they are attached at the hip type. Um, so, I, I don't know. Uh, I think if there were a player to be moved, it would be Yakov. Um, but then from the Raptors' side, it's like, all right, who would be the center for the Raptors? Uh, and... Obviously, you guys have Looney, you guys have Trace Jackson Davis, and it's like, well, those guys probably aren't getting moved either. And I, that's probably where it comes, like, a problem kind of occurs at that point. The The other thing is salary, right? Uh, Siakam makes money. 30, yeah, it's $37 million for Siakam. 
13 for Boucher, so that would be 50. 20 million for Pirtle, which would be 40, uh, 57. Then you have Schroeder, who I think is another 13, which would be 50 again. Boucher is 13, so you're at 50 again. It's like, how are you going to ma- get to $50 million in salary is sort of the tough issue here. I feel like maybe there's like two trades that happen. It's a Siakam deal, and then like you guys go out and get like, I don't know, Kelly Olynyk or something that uh, reassures that front court a little bit more. But yeah, I don't know. I, I, you know what's? Can I just say one more thing? Oh. It's so funny to me. There's like a, there's like this interlaced kind of weird connection between the Raptors and Warriors. You know, they obviously both had really successful 2010s. Warriors, to be fair, much more successful. But the Raptors had like their yeah, most successful know. run in franchise history, won a championship. Um, and I think well, you remember. Yeah, I, I, I remember. Yeah, shout out to shout out to the Oracle Arena, but um. I, I think in gen- sorry I had to bring that up I'm oh. sorry I'm sorry I had to pick it up. Uh, um, let me just let me just grab the bottle that's just out of screen. Just... <laughs> Probably the only uh, reason the deal doesn't get done, to be honest. Besides, just like man, I'm out. I'm, yeah, exactly. Not anymore. Um, but in general, it's kind of weird because like since 2019, they these guys have had like weird seasons back and forth. Obviously, you guys have the championship year after 2019, and that is like even as we get further and further from that, that feels like more of like a wow, how did that even go down type of championship? But for the most part, there have been just weird seasons between these teams, right? A season where a tank goes down, a season where you have high lottery picks, and like both of them have had these type of seasons. It's just weird that these two like incredible franchises of the 2010s are sort of just trying to hang on by thread in a lot of ways. Uh, And I'm curious to see how they move and how they move into this next generation. Cause like you got Steph Curry, man, you gotta, I feel like you gotta double down and try to, yeah, try to get one more, try to compete with him. And I don't know how you guys are going to do that. It's a, it feels like an impossible task given the older guys are are kind of not where they were before, and you're sort of wondering if they will be able to turn it up. I'd love to hear what you guys think. So is that where you're at right now as, like, a non-Warriors fan? Are you looking yeah. at this team like Mufasa hanging off the edge and Lion King? Like, that's where they're at right now? Like, what's what's going on? I don't know. I feel I feel like, look, I... I've, I'd be dumb to doubt the Warriors because, like, how many times would you be like, oh, no. You know, I did this when I was a kid with the Spurs, and you would be like, oh, they're not going to do it again. There's no way they're going to go out and win 50 games again, and you know what I mean? And I, I learned the hard way that that team just consistently would kick ass. And maybe the Warriors are the same, but it's just you got to find a way to build around Steph more more i don't even know how to how to phrase it other than just better like you yeah. have to be a better building t- building. <laughs> welcome to welcome to our life since 2019 <laughs> and that's been the question and it's it's a weird paradox you guys mentioned earlier but like the young guys have been awesome um and the older guys just haven't really carried their weight and it's it's weird because you can't trade the old guys because they're attached to steph and so it's just a weird it's a weird yeah. conundrum to be a part of, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, man. Like for, for me, and for a lot, I mean, I think I can maybe speak for all three of us, but definitely for me, for the first time, it's really a lot of my finger pointing has gone to Steve Kerr and like it, and I can't even, I, I really don't know if it's fully his fault because 
you know, to you can kind of see the the thought process of like, hey, we have these guys that have done this so many times and and yeah. trust them and, and like just to 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 figure it out. But at the same time, you're you're like like two games under five hundred and you're not winning games you're supposed to. Your your defense is gone, whatever it is, you know. So it for me, I feel like in terms of how to better build around Steph, I think that that. And this sounds insane to even say out loud, but like not to say a coaching change is like you need to fire Steve Kerr or that, but he is in the last year of his contract. Um, we saw what happened literally just. He's last saying year. fire Steve Kerr or let it. No, go. no, no. I'm not saying yeah, that. You know, Steve's done for this team and this and I'll never say that out loud. But um, I'm gonna I'm gonna cut it I'm gonna cut it all the way down just so it's you just saying to say fire Steve yeah, Kerr. Yeah, we're put. We're, we're firing that out there every week. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but like we saw last year, you know, with Bob Myers in the same kind of boat of that, you know, lame duck kind of season, didn't really know if he was staying or going. We haven't really heard too much about Steve. So maybe it is a, a breath of fresh air of of, of, a, of another guy to come in. But again, you have the other side of, you know, does, does Steph want Kirk on? He's obviously won four championships with them. Clay and Draymond, obviously, are, they trust this guy inherently. The team uh, organization does too. So um, I, I'm with you. It's a weird kind of, spot to be in right now because it again it feels like they're they're almost right there um just coming off a championship two years ago last year just with the with how well this the the vets played and the the it really feels like we had this bench last year you know who knows what would happen you know made it to the second round um so it, it feels like you know they're again like a, maybe a move or a move and a half away from from getting back there and again it is really at the end of the day it is about maximizing Steph because you, you don't you're not going to get a top 10 player of all time again like we've our, our, our like Matt's dad is, is a perfect example. He's, he hadn't seen a championship since 75 and you know, that entire yeah. kind of like war. It's kind of like being a Niners fan, like our generation. Cause they saw all the championships. Raptors. Yeah. And, then, <laughs> and then now, so that's, yeah. that's, that's, it's a weird, it's a weird time for sure. But uh, yeah, I'm kind of curious when the next Raptors championship will be. I'm, I was 20, what five. I have no idea if it's going to be, oh, no, I wasn't 25. I was like 24, but whatever. It, it, it like I could be fi- sixty and yeah, then right? like you never know. You know you what I mean? Know. So when you have those windows, you gotta you gotta maximize them. To your point, um, I just I'm not sure what the move is to maximize. And like I do think Siakam gets you much closer to yeah. that. Is that the final thing? I don't know. I I think and that's that's where the problem lies. It's like after Siakam, you're moving obviously one of your biggest salaries you're probably moving a couple of your prospects or assets as well do you have enough to go out and make another trade and fine-tune this roster further or are you dead set like charlie said on on this this iteration of the team well that's um, the way you described that man you got me feeling like you should give us more than siakam for Kaminga. i mean look i'm i i think the raptors would entertain the idea i just don't know like salary wise how you even get to that point like 50 to 50, 60 million dollars in salary is tough to come come across even for the warriors you know yeah so you we mentioned some Masai just for a quick second um what is the vibe of Masai right now among fans because he obviously he got he got the golden ticket for a while with that title right yeah. he made the big move um you got the title got Kawhi for a year it didn't matter that he left he did the big thing right um last year was a fan fleet lock like you said um you might people might be mixed about the uh, the OG the OG uh, Hall Siakam's on his way out. Are fans pro Masai right now? Anti Masai? Is there a, an actual nuanced take here? What's going on? There's probably fans in both camps, if we're being honest. Uh, and I imagine it's the same way for fire Steve Kerr, keep Steve yeah. Kerr for you guys, right? Um, it's just that's that's sort of all 
NBA fan bases. Uh, I'm sure if you talk to Lakers fans, they're like, fire Darvin Ham. Ridiculous. <laughs> and then there's other fans who are like, are you kidding me? Whatever. Um, so for Masai, obviously, you mentioned 2019 championship, like most successful GM, maybe one of the mo more iconic sports figures in the country. Uh, and that plays a huge part in this entire thing. I think for the most part, he has an immense amount of pressure on him right now for him to do whatever it takes to keep this team competitive. That's not pressure from the fans. I think that is more pressure from ownership to keep this competitive, to get to a point. I don't want to say there's a mandate, but there is sort of a mandate to keep this team rather competitive compared to, you know, going into a rebuild direction. So I think he's trying to toggle that line. And you see it with the types of moves, the types of trades he's trying to make. You don't go out and trade a, for a, a 25 and 27 team. You don't go out and trade a first round pick top six protected for Yakupertle unless there is a mandate for you to make the play in and therefore get the playoff gate revenue from that one single game. Um, and so I think there's probably that for the next couple of years and until they can build a contender from that. Like that's. It's just about as simple as that from from ownership and how they're trying to deal with Masai and, and the Raptors front office in general. So the grace period's over. Yes, it definitely is. Uh, and I think if you were to ask me how that goes in the next year or so, it probably depends on how quickly pans out, whatever they get for Siakam, how that pans out, and you know how good it looks on the front office in the next, I don't know, 12 months, right? A lot of weight on Donovan Kaminga. <laughs> yeah hey they like him man they like him honestly i i mean i i like him too and i know he's he's had a pretty good season um like like you guys said he's sort of fine-tuning on the things that he's do he's supposed to do well um i guess you're right about the fit but at this point if you're trying to just get talent on the roster who cares about the fit like rj barrett isn't going to stop you from acquiring a player like jonathan kaminga just because right. you like jonathan kaminga you know what i mean yeah um so yeah, I think I think for the most part the Raptors would be interested in Kaminga and probably Moody and probably Pods and like they're gonna ask for a lot and then it'll get dwindled down to whatever the actual offer will eventually be. Yeah, so I'm glad we hit on Masai kind of having the golden ticket, but I feel like that works for fans too. You know, like one championship will buy you a whole lot of goodwill. Yeah, you know, like and. So before you know, we do, we do have a game that's happening and we will talk about that game shortly. Um, but before we get into all of that, I just want to hear like 2019, obviously like such a special run from acquiring Kawhi out of nowhere, where we went from like, which LA team is he going to go to and form a super team with to getting on that team building everything through the Marc Gasol trade, like getting all these yeah. guys in there. And then obviously that special, special run. Like what are, what are the memories that stick out to you from that? Like, what was your favorite, what were your favorite moments of that? Man, um, my favorite moment, there was, there's a lot obviously. Um, but I think the Raptors were down. Yeah. They were down 2-0 in the Eastern conference finals to the bucks. And at that point we were like, man, we, we would be happy if we just get a finals run. That would be sick. You know, it would be dope. I remember when they made the finals, I was like, okay, I'm cool. 
they're going to lose to the Warriors, but I'm all right. I'm blessed. They made the finals. I'm good. Uh, and they, <laughs> the fact that they won it was insane to me. But um, I think it was 2-0. And at that point, me and my friends decided to go to a specific restaurant. It's this like wing spot that we go to all the time. And we sat in one specific booth. They won game three. We kind of felt like it was a, it was like a thing. We were like, all right, we'll come for game four. They won game four. We're like, okay, we have to stay for game five and six. They won five and six. We were in the same booth for all of them. They yeah. went to the finals, obviously. And then for the finals, we sat in that same booth for pretty much every game uh, until they lost in game two, was it? Yeah, they lost mm -hmm. in game two. And then we're like, okay, cool. The, the, there's no real curse, but let's just see where it goes from here. Uh, I went to game five. I went to game five. I like, I, I, it cost me an arm and a leg, but I went to game five and it was like one of the best games I've ever been to. Incredible atmosphere. Kawhi hits those two threes. They're up six. You're like, holy shit, we're going to win the championship tonight. And then Steph and Clay hit those two threes. And it's, you're like, <laughs> we lost that. We lost that series, but that, that game, that ending is still one of my favorite. Just yeah. Yeah. And, and from my perspective, like where I was sitting, uh, Kyle's three at the end looked like it was going in, but then it, he Draymond yeah. obviously tipped it. So like, those are the types of things I remember, uh, from the 2019 run and how special it was. There's just like, to your point, Charlie, about how crazy of a story it is. It sort of feels like a mythological story, like a folk tale, you know, guy comes yeah. into a city and hate at first there's like, there's no way he's going to stay here. He's not even going to show up for the team. There's the haha -ha laugh thing that was iconic for a while. Obviously, the Marc Gasol trade, they're like a pretty good team. Load management becomes like a big issue, a topical issue with that team because he only played like 60 games in the regular season. And then the playoffs had its own drama between the shot, the 2-0 comeback, the clay injury, KD, all that stuff too. And yeah, it just feels like it's something you tell your kid when you're 50 years old and you're like, you won't believe this story, <laughs> you know? Um, so yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's how it felt from, from my angle, man. That's sick, man. I'll still, I'll still never forget, like, when, you know, and obviously, like, I don't think anyone was, like, picking the Raptors to come out. And I'm not, like, I'm trying to go back and, like, my chest and be like ah i knew it but he called it <laughs> when they when they had that lineup like all built together and then they added siakam i mean not siakam uh uh marcus all at the deadline who was always one of my favorites and you know we were just talking about like a good five-man lineup can take you anywhere yeah and when they put that together it was like thanos getting the last infinity stone you know it was like <laughs> Oh man, like you got Lowry still in the prime of his career doing all the great things he does. You've got Danny Green, always just been like the commensurate two way KCP like, before KCP, essentially. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Exactly. Oh, I love that. But you know, you have him, then you got Kawhi, who's just like the absolute terminator of a small forward on both yeah. ends of the floor. Pascal, and then you add Mark Gasol into that to like coalesce the entire defense, add more playmaking. Uh, to the offensive side of the ball, can still score, make a shot when he's called upon. And I was just like, oh, man. Like, this is like – like, if you put that team together in 2K, you would just be like, oh, like, I'm I'm yeah. so filthy. Like, I'm just running – I'm running this right now. It's so crazy. <laughs> it was nuts. Like, you, you look at the starting five, and then you look at the bench, and the bench was almost like a regular starting five, which was Sergi Baca, Norm Powell, Fred Van Vliet. Um, Chris Boucher, obviously, but Boucher didn't play much. And you're like, 
that that is even OG Ananobi who didn't play much in the playoffs hurt, either, right? he had a yeah. burst appendix. But like that Ooh. that is another team, you know? Like that's another starting five in the NBA. When you look back at how talented that team is, I have a picture here somewhere of that team, but um it's just crazy to see like I, in hindsight, how talented of a team that is compared to like in that moment, how good we thought they were. The team, the league was just so talented back then. Man. Well, actually, it's it's mm. talented now too. I can't say it's not talented, but it's different talented. Yeah, no, a lot no. of great teams though in that year though. Yeah, it's a lot of yeah. really good teams that year. It's fun. Oh, yeah. I just yeah, man. Van Vliet happened to be. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Uh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Yeah, Fred Van Shout out to shout out to who was it that voted in Finals MVP? There was one person. (laughs) No, there was one person who voted in Finals MVP, and he's a real one. I forgot. I forgot who. Every like Kawhi, you can live with Kawhi beating you. You can live with Kyle Lowry. Was it? Was it uh, Herbie Brown? I don't know. Yeah, I'll right now. Um, yeah, but I just I'll, I'll never find it. That finals though, just every like every Fred Van Vliet, like he had some moonshots that were just going, and you're like, bro, wh- who is this guy? How is he? He's, he's, been, he's in Steph Curry shots over Steph Curry, and like uh, we're I'm actively yeah, seeing man. this championship go away. And like after uh, I think after KD, I mean that that entire series, I mean from our end at least, if it was such a heavyweight fight, and then we added KD back for like the first quarter, we're like, all right, we got this. Yeah, that massive lead, didn't do it. <laughs> Then game six is like, all right, yo, if we can just get this to a game seven, I, th- I think we can have a chance to, to steal one. And then Clay goes down, and obviously you guys win in, in at Oracle. So I mean, just that that that, that mix Crazy. of emotions yeah. that that finals run was was awesome. But uh, props to you guys, man. Like it's it's always like you said, like you're city champions. Then after that, so join the club, yeah. man. Join join the yeah, club. yeah for sure, man. And listen, like as as much as we're talking about, you know, how can the Warriors squeeze out another one, like. Four and eight years. Ah, dude. You know, it was was Hubie Brown. Let's go. Hell yeah. For the final. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Awesome. Um, He always gets it right. Uh... (laughs) Hey, you know what, man? That guy's got 20-20 vision at 98 years old, man. He's he's doing okay. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, No, man, it's just, you know, four four championships in eight years. Like, you take that every day and you run with it. You you ask a Wizards fan right now how they would feel with four championships in eight years. They would do whatever it takes to do that. So like getting players like Steph Curry, um, it's just, it's a rarity. And that's why to your point, to this point of the podcast, I guess you want to get another one. You want to do him justice and have him be a part of another championship team because you know how great it is and also how rare it is to have a player like that on your team. Yeah, man. Also, like this, this, this core has really been like our, our childhood. Like we were all, like I was in middle school. Charlie, like me and Charlie, we're all the same age, pretty much around yeah. the same age. So like this was our childhood. So to squeeze one more out in our in our mid twenties would be like, yo, this we're we're still kids at heart, and uh, it would be it would be fun way to again, like you said, oh, yeah. you just tell your kids. I saw I saw the the prime prime Golden State Warriors. Um, oh, yeah. I appreciate the time, man. Before we get out of here, we obviously do have a game um coming yes. up as well, outside of yeah. everything going on. Uh, so real quick, just want to get your quick thoughts about, you know, that upcoming game on, I think it's this Sunday on the 7th. Um, just uh, want to just hear your thoughts for us. You know, every, it feels like this year and, and even in the last year that there's always been like a guy um, that we've never heard about. Uh, Warriors fans like every every game last week, last game against the Heat. Oh, you're having one of those seasons? He, I Eli told us it was Jamal Kane and, and he just had a career night. So who who's nice. a guy that uh, on the Raptors that, you know, we – May not have heard of, or or Warriors fans were gonna be, are gonna be tweeting out, yo, who is this? Who is this dude that is killing us right now? 
And uh, just kind of give us that that take from there. Let's see who could do that for y'all. I, maybe Chris Boucher, but you guys know Chris Boucher, so it's a little bit different. But uh, he seems like the type of guy who could like have a night where he hits like four or five threes, and you're like, what the hell? You know, like where did that come from? Gonna happen. Uh, gonna happen. We yeah, like went so... to middle school with Chris Boucher. You know what I mean, like he was in our class. We didn't know him that well. <laughs> He's gonna show up. See him downtown. He just beats yeah. our ass and stuff. We're so. on the curve. Yeah, he just like grew six inches or whatever. Yeah, yeah, no, probably Chris Boucher on that front. The game itself will be interesting. I will say on the whole like trade game front, I do think the Raptors take advantage of playing these teams to maybe talk to them as well. They talked to the Knicks. They played the Knicks twice in December, and apparently a lot of their conversations happened on the same night I was there to watch one of their games. So <laughs> no way. I was, I'm was. i kind of sad I didn't get to see I was going to fly at the Chase Center, man. Fly I know, man. I know, I know. Get this deal going. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, so I think maybe there is a world in which like Mike Dunleavy and Masai or Bobby get get some dinner and talk about whatever deal there might be that could happen. But on the game itself, um, Warriors, obviously, a really turnover-prone team, uh, have been for a very long time. Raptors love to create turnovers and force turnovers to get out and running. Um, That's probably still the MO now, even with Quickly and R.J. Barrett. You want to play fast with those guys. That was the indication from their first game against Cleveland as well, so... I, I, it's hard for me to have like some sort of scouting report for you when it comes to this new version of the team, just because I don't really know what to expect um, and, and and how the lineups and rotations will look like. But I know it's going to be a fun game because it somehow always is against the Warriors, especially in Golden State. For some reason, I feel like the Raptors and Warriors always have pretty feisty games in Golden State. But I think the Raptors beat the Warriors by about 60 points two years ago. Am I right? Did they? Oh, you yeah. might have. You might have. Right. <laughs> yeah. right. yeah. season. Yeah. year. Wait, but that was was that uh, was that at home? Like I was, was in that... Toronto. I think it was, was in Toronto. 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 Right. Yes, I remember that. Yeah, it was. I think it was a December game, right? I might be. I don't know, but I remember. Back that in the day, we had a, a, a twenty-seven cold. I can tell you, man. <laughs> so that was a. Um, that was an. Just to put the context on that, that was uh the 2020-2021 season. So that was. The play-in year, the first team they were back and healthy. Uh, the final score was one thirty to seventy-seven. And post-game, Steve Kerr said they asked him what went wrong, and he said, "You saw it. We got destroyed." <laughs> Still one of my favorite, one of my favorite like coaching quotes because like of all the things we said about Steve Kerr, he's gonna say exactly like what he feels. Yeah. And so he's just like. Yeah, I don't know what to tell you. We got our ass beat. You saw it. I saw it. Yeah. Was that was that the game that Clay and Steph and them didn't travel to? Like they stayed in gold. Or am I misreading? Uh, Steph, Steph and Draymond were out. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I remember Raptors fans made a big deal about that. They're like, "Oh, they don't want to come and play in the cold." Blah blah blah. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That was. I remember that game actually vividly. Scotty. I think had a really good game there. Anyways, um, dude, no, you're good. I think I, I'm not gonna lie, us. I don't think Scotty was quite in the league yet. I think it was the year before. But oh, you're right. You're be. right. You're right. You're. Right. I miss. I whatever context. Just you know what though? Yeah. I guarantee you though, because you said that uh, the Raptors beat the Warriors by about 50 with Scotty on Sunday. So <laughs> happy congratulations there. But uh, there you go. Before you get out of here, my quick quick little rapid fire predictions. I want to start with an easy one for you. Siakam traded uh, before or after the trade deadline. Ooh, uh, well, I mean, he can't get traded after. After. Uh, good point. Let me, let me rephrase this. Sorry. I, I meant before. I said trade deadline. I meant the game this weekend. Jeez Louise. 
traded <laughs> okay. before or after the game this weekend. OG just got moved. That was the whole okay. point. There, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, sorry, I didn't mean to bust. <laughs> I'm gonna go with. Uh, no, no, I got no, man. You, you didn't bust me, man. There was no answer there. Gonna, <laughs> you had one answer before. Before, I threw you a softball, man. I'll say, I'll say after the game. I'll say after okay. the game. Yeah. Okay. Uh, winner. Warriors. Raptors. Ooh, uh, I will say the Raptors. I think the Raptors will win the game. Yes. Love it. Uh, Love it. Yeah, they, they kind of are, are in a honeymoon phase. It feels like that, at least with this new team. It feels like they're, the energy is rejuvenized. So, yeah. I think IQ goes for 40, so congrats there. Uh, high score. Uh, ooh, maybe IQ, actually. Probably. I can see IQ being a high score there. It feels like he's up for a big game at some point uh, in the near future for the Perfect Raptors. Perfect time so. for the Warriors, man. Perfect, Perfect timing for the Warriors, man. Exactly. Yeah. My guess is Kaminga. Uh, most threes made. Kaminga most... has a Raptor. Pardon me. I'll be clear. Go ahead. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> most threes made. Uh, either team, I'm assuming, right? Either team. But, Let's go, Steph. It's just the easy, Finally. easy one. We got, we got, we got a Warriors answer. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. All right, and uh, non-star impact player of the game. Ooh, it's gonna be Pods. Pods is just a guy who mm-hmm. feels like a Raptor killer. He's gonna be a Raptor killer for life. I feel like he's just. By the way, incredible rebounder for his size. Like, yeah, what the hell? Insane. I absolutely insane to have that kind of eye for the ball. But yeah, it's gonna be Pods. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I go I go with our guy pods as well. Uh Gotham Chuck real quick, non-star impact player. Who are you going? Uh I mean I said it, man. I'd, I'd maybe Chris Boucher. Let's let's give Santa Cruz Warriors legend. Um, but I I, I will I will uh I will do my normal uh shtick and the Warriors will win that game. Sorry, yes. Nice. Uh yeah, no, I'm I had a vision in my head of a stretch where the Warriors turn it over like three times in four possessions, and IQ hits like transition threes off like all of those. Nice. Uh, you can have you can pencil that in. That's going to happen. Uh, I think it's going to be close. Uh, I think the Warriors might be able to pull it out because you know Steph is really due for a bounce back game. Been kind of a tough stretch. Uh, non-star impact player. That's a tough one. Like especially with how the Raptors line up right now. Like they. I don't know, man. They got a lot of guys that can step in there. Yeah. Uh, I feel I I feel like for some reason Dennis Schroeder is just gonna destroy us. Like he's just gonna eat Chris Paul alive. Um, I could see that. I so, could see that. Yeah. yeah, that's gonna be. I mean, Dennis is gonna have a casual like eighteen and eight or something like that, and just like. <laughs> Hit a whole bunch of threes, hit a bunch of daggers in the mid-range. You know it would be funny? You know it would be funny if Otto Porter Jr., who plays like oh, maybe eight minutes a I'll night, comes heart. in and hits like 16 points on y'all. That would be very funny. Uh, you're, you're pretty, you're pretty them, plugged man. into the Warriors, plugged <laughs> in the Warriors timeline, man. You would you would see. Uh, I know. You know, I know, you know what you'd see. I know what I would say. <laughs> you know, you know, it would be funny. Actually, I think it would be funny to include Otto in the trade for Pascal, and he's like only eight million dollars in salary, so it might be a little bit more manageable. Bring back, man! I, I, I'll bring that, back that Christmas game against the Suns, man. He, he's got a statue in my eyes. The dude is <laughs> um, SA, man. I really, really appreciate your time here. This is some awesome stuff. Um, great, great chopping it up, talking trade, Siakam, all, all everything. Just nineteen finals, as much as that pained us, but. Um, yeah. before we get out of here, man, anything you want to shout out, um, that, uh, for anything coming up in the works or, or stuff that you got going on, um, in your life? 
um no nah, man just like tap in listen follow do the things you guys usually do uh i do most of my work at sdpn sports they do a youtube channel but i do some writing for a couple of different places as well tap into the warriors invitational podcast please it's a fire fire podcast appreciate you guys for having me on i followed you on twitter by the way halfway through this conversation my god, my god. um yes so yeah no thank you guys for having me on man appreciate you guys yes sir hey guys as well as thank you for for listening um hey ash we might get you on after a siakam trade let's see let's see what happens um, for sure for post, sure uh, yeah Free trade deadline, uh, Matt, but post. Hey. Uh, <laughs> but uh, as always, guys, keep following us at the Warriors Invitational, uh, Twitter, me, Matt, Chuck, uh, for, for all our stuff. But until uh, the next episode, guys, peace.